At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Some of you may know that I used to work in a school district for about four years, almost four years. And then, uh, then COVID hit and then my, my contract was not renewed. But when I worked in the school district, one of my most favorite things to do was to go into the preschool and pre-kindergarten classes. And when I walked into those classes, I felt like a movie star. They would look at me and they would run up to me and Actually, the teachers probably got a little upset because I would distract the entire room and they would all come up to me and give me hugs and high fives. And I loved it. And so I'm very, very excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about that age range. And some kids really struggle with verbal skills. And so this episode is titled First Work Teaches Verbal Skills to Children Through Digital Reinforcement Learning with Patrick. Vega coming up. Oh, don't worry about today or things we cannot change. It's over the past we can erase. Welcome to the Mental Health Today Show. My name is John Cordray, and I am a licensed therapist and the host of this show. And like I said at the very beginning, I'm really excited about this. I just love working with this age group. Some people Maybe not so much, but I love this age group and they're just so innocent and loving and just fun. And so I'm really happy and excited to bring on Patrick. Let me just kind of read the bio for you. So listen to this. So Patrick is the founder of a company called First Work, and he's an inventor of adapted digital reinforcement learning based tools. And First Work provides digital reinforcement learning tools to teach early verbal skills to children trying to develop them. And Patrick is an edtech entrepreneur building a learning system that enables kids in developmental theory to work on some of their therapy goals after the session is over. And much of the work in developmental theory can be worked on at home after the initial introduction. Patrick's background includes a master's degree in behavioral and decision science from the University of Pennsylvania and a bachelor's degree in behavioral neuroscience and philosophy from the University 
of San Diego. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's really exciting. And I, I can't relate enough about what you were saying about the that age range. There's something about that energy and just the excitement that the kids bring to, you know, to that field of work that uh, is, is really just incredible. So it's so cool to see that you have, you have that experience with that too and that connection. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'll have to say, you know, I wasn't teaching the class. <laughs> it's a much different story when you're trying to teach that, that age group. Now, I, I did take them out on recess and I did have recess duty and it was the hardest thing ever to get their attention to bring back in from being out on recess. So I, I can sympathize with the teachers and I, I understand that they probably didn't like it when I came in because I completely disrupted the class. Oh man, yeah. Recess duty sounds like a pretty great gig. That <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. Oh man. Yeah, it, it was. But there's always that one student. You know what I'm saying? The one wanders off on their own. You're trying to get them to come in. Uh, all the way on top of the swing set or something. <laughs> But it's still fun and I love it. All right. So let's first talk a little bit about you because I always love learning some of the backstory. And then we'll talk a little bit about first work and what you're doing there. But let's start with you. And and how did you how did you get to the to where you're at now? Well, that's a great question. It's a like a lot of people, I think, was at least in part by happenstance. So I was an undergraduate at the University of San Diego studying behavioral neuroscience, and I graduated from school during the pandemic and at the time was starting a job as a behavioral therapist. So behavioral therapy is a really common form of therapy for kids with autism, particularly. And so it's an in-home therapy and it's something that you can get into you know, right out of school. And so I always wanted to work in the therapy space and thought that it would be an excellent entree into that world. And little did I know it would set me on a path that I'm I'm still on. So I I got to I got to work as a therapist and realized that the world was upside down. It was the beginning of COVID. And so a lot of the things that everyone was used to in that in that clinical practice, you know, was being revised and reconsidered in light of all of the difficulties, especially because it is an in-person therapy. So you're in the home with the family and the children. And so the introduction of COVID really changed the landscape a lot. Telehealth was introduced. And generally speaking, it was a really, really interesting time to get, you know, to get a window into the field and the experience of people with autism and the challenges that the kids are facing. And really my main sort of uh, jumping off point for for first work was realizing that the transition to teletherapy and also, you know, remote school is something that works really well for some populations, but isn't really great for all of them. And I think that kids with autism, especially kids who are under five, and really kids under five in general, are not really well suited for Zoom-based school, given all the attention demands and the sort of distance from some of the motivation reinforcement that happens in a traditional learning setting where you have a teacher there spurring you on and encouraging you in a way that you can really relate to. So seeing that that being introduced in this context really raised a lot of questions to me about why is it the case that there aren't learning tools that are really built for kids who have special needs and who don't work very well with the traditional systems? And that that nugget really stuck with me and combined with some other insights I have from the field sort of led me to start thinking about first work and then eventually build it in light of some of the things that I learned while I was at the University of Pennsylvania studying behavioral science. Well, that's excellent. So cool. So you have a, a background. You have a background in therapeutic work. I do have a background in therapeutic work. Yeah. 
ABA is an interesting field. There are entry level positions where you can be working one on one with clients and helping them you know, achieve their developmental goals. So it's a really interesting space where you can be a pretty young person and uh, and get right started. So had some great supervisors and some great help to uh, get me started. But yeah, I, I kind of jumped right into uh, work as a therapist right after school. So you saw a need. Well, you saw a problem. You saw a need and you decided that you wanted to try to come up with a solution. Yeah, that's I'd say that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so your background in ed tech, I would like to learn a little bit about that because it's, it's kind of somewhat similar to me with media. So I'm not so much as much as the the tech part, mm-hmm. although I'm a, I'm a, a telehealth therapist, but I'm not like an inventor like you are, but I definitely have a, a background in media and I chose uh, my my love and passion for mental health and for media and combine them and using yeah. that to help people. That's essentially what you're doing with the tech part. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's That's the way I like to think about it. I was really interested in becoming a BCBA and working professionally in ABA sort of as a career. But in light of some of the insights and my belief that this is a technology that can have a lot of impact, I decided that combining my love for behavioral science more broadly with, you know, my love for therapeutic work would be, you know, a really great path for me to pursue. So uh, that's what I did. Yeah. So I'm interested now. I want to learn a little bit about your tech side. Yeah. So I am actually not a technical founder. So I have a co-founder who is doing the technical work for us. That's Thaddeus. So I, I paired up with the computer science to make it a reality. But the technological element that I contributed was what I call behavioral technology. So I am a behavioral scientist by training in my master's program. And essentially what behavioral scientists do is we look at environments, at least in this modern contemporary context of behavioral science. We look at environments, we look at how people interact with them, and then the effect of that interaction. And then you can start to think about ways to change an environment to change people's behavior. So that is sort of the technological element that I contributed is, you know, deriving a behavioral technology that's novel, that can have the sort of learning impact that we needed. And then teamed up with one of my oldest friends from college, Thaddeus, who is our CTO, who can actually make it a reality. And we've been we've been working at it ever since. So I I'm not a computer scientist. I don't I don't lay code myself, but it's an interesting way to be a technologist. But, you know, I'm more on the theory side of things, I guess. Well, I think that's awesome. It takes a team, doesn't it? Yeah. Entrepreneurship and really anything else is 100% a team journey. I I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be doing this on my own. Well, I I did do it for a little bit at the very beginning and very quickly realized that it takes a village. (laughs) It definitely does. It makes a world of difference to have a team. And it's really cool that on your team, everyone has their expertise, but the mission and the vision is still the same. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about working with Thaddeus and Kunal. Kunal is our research lead. We're all mission-driven. We care most about the outcome and about generating this learning and, you know, really providing something of value to these kids who who really need it. And so having that, you know, sort of ethos in the background is just incredible. Wow. So let's let's talk a little bit about first work. Tell me a little bit about it and cuz I'm sure there are a lot of parents who are listening or someone who's thinking, oh, I know, I need to tell my my best friend about this because maybe they're struggling with a child, a young child that maybe it's on the spectrum. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So essentially, First Work does something pretty simple. What we do is we restrict access to fun apps on your phone, like Netflix or games, until you do a little bit of learning work. It sounds like a pretty simple technology because it is, but its impact can be pretty profound. 
because it's applied behavioral analysis, essentially. So in ABA, which is the type of therapy that I used to do, what you basically do is you look at a behavior and then you try to motivate that behavior to continue by providing a justified reward for it. So if your child does some sort of great work, you want to give them a reward. So this is essentially something that we're already doing all the time. And what First Work does is it systematizes it and makes it automatic so that your smart device time can be something that is really spurring on really important learning and can also serve as a tool for parents to get really involved in this process where typically therapists are doing a lot of this work in the sessions. So really enabling parents to kind of take some ownership over the process and, you know, start to do a little bit of what the therapist is doing to, you know, generate more learning opportunities and drive home the outcomes of developing the early verbal skills. Wow. Okay. So let me, let me just unpack that a little bit. There's a couple of things that stood out to me. One, you said that the app first work, it prevents distractions. So let's say it's on a phone or a device and it prevents the kids from going somewhere else. Yeah, basically. So some of the time, basically there's a timer. So say you get 15 minutes of Netflix time and then you need to do one minute of work. That's essentially how it works. So you'll be watching Netflix for 15 minutes. It'll be restricted. You click one button. It redirects you to a learning task that you're already familiar with. You do that learning task. You click another button to go play. And the next thing you know, you're watching Netflix again. So we can we can start to lace in a little bit of work to really spread that learning out across the day. And then also, yeah, start to kind of reduce the you know, purely entertaining element of smart devices and start to add a little bit more value in terms of development. Oh, wow. I like that. Thanks. So <laughs> that's a great, great idea. So you're reinforcing learning. Yes. But also there's a reward part of that as well. Yes. You know, that's the big insight essentially is that kids spend eight hours a day on screens, according to the CDC. And the reason they spend all that time is because they love it. You know, there's there's a lot of awesome stuff on these devices and there's nothing wrong with that. But it, you know, should be something that we can leverage to generate outcomes, you know, in learning and things that we find important, as well as something that's just, you know, a reward sort of as a standalone. Exactly. And now we just need to make something like that for adults. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people have mentioned that we're we're definitely uh, thinking about different ways to apply the the core technology because I do think that while the impact is highest and we're you know really keenly focused on helping kids with autism develop early verbal skills, we do think that there's you know broader applications for the technology in special education classrooms and even like you said, sort of managing screen time used to live a little bit more productive life if you're an adult. Yeah, fantastic. I, I have some clients that. Have a lot of ADHD, and in fact, one said that that he just feels addicted to social media. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and and so he can't get things done that he wants to get done because of social media. But if something like this was for them or for him, he wouldn't be able to get on social media. He only could do the things that he needed to do, and then he would get reward to get on social media for a few minutes. First work, then play. <laughs> All right. So the other thing that you mentioned a little bit ago, it sounds like you want to put a lot of the work in the parents' hands. Yeah, that's that's something that's really important to me. One of the things that I noticed during my time as a therapist is that parents really wanted to be as involved as they could in the process, but it's a really dynamic, changing process. The things that you're working on day to day change as you master out new developmental goals. And so sort of keeping up with the therapy process and being able to be involved is is actually quite difficult, even if you're spending tons and tons of time and energy on it, which all the parents are. So, you know, one of the goals of First Work is to sort of, you know, generate a little bit of agency for the parents and allow them to 
really participate directly in the therapy process in a way that wasn't really possible before. I love it. Wow. So, okay. First work, where can First Work be found? We can find us online at www.firstworkapp.com. And you can also find us in local ABA and SLP clinics. So we have some pilot partners. We're building out our technology right now and are going to be launching in December. And so there are a limited set of therapy clinics that we're working with to really you know, get the technology out there and uh, do that early testing to make sure it works really well. And then as time goes on, we hope to have it be something that's available in really all ABA and SLP practices. Nice. Okay. So if a parent is listening to this, it's not necessarily opened up to individual parents. Do they have to go through a clinic? So currently we are partnering with clinics because the clinics actually use our application as well to sort of manage their internal data. So one of the things that we do is we are really pro data-driven learning. And the most important thing with data-driven learning is that you need to integrate all of the data. So we work with the clinicians directly so that we can integrate the data they're collecting when the sessions are running with the data that you're generating at home, sort of in this homework style learning, so that we really know exactly when you've mastered out your goals. So currently, it is only available through clinics. Okay. Sounds like it's going to be open up to many more clinics after you officially launch. That's the plan. Yeah. You know, we've, we've gotten really great reception so far from the clinicians and are super excited to be, you know, rolling out all around the country. Well, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. It's coming. You just got to be patient, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Excellent. All right. So let's say you partner with a clinic uh-huh. and the families are working already with the clinic and the clinic offers this mm-hmm. first work. And then the parents are able then to work with their kids at home. Yes. Okay. So they don't have to keep going into the clinic all the time. Well, that is something that I, you know, I think is really important to mention. We do not think that this is something that can replace therapists. We're not interested in replacing therapists. Therapists, you know, add so much value. Really what we're thinking about for this is something that's augmenting the work that therapists are doing, creating more learning opportunities and generally, you know, kind of moving along the process a little bit more quickly. But this is something that, you know, is is really important to be done in conjunction with an existing therapy practice, you know, that is finally attuned to your specific needs. Yes, I totally agree with that. That's great. So we're, we're talking about young children here. Can you just tell me what the age range is? Yeah, so we're mostly focused with our initial curriculum on early verbal skills. So we're talking really early verbal. So the categorization work that you need to do in order to understand language, a lot of matching and a lot of listener responding. And so the kids who are working on this are traditionally between about zero and five. And it's something that's really common with that one to three-year-old range of kids who are in, in ABA and SLP clinics who are sort of just starting off on their journey in therapy. One of the first things that the kids tend to be working on is early verbal. I found that almost all the kids that I was working with you know, we're working on these early verbal skills. So we're mostly talking about kids who are sort of between two and five and, you know, kind of in that younger bracket. Yeah. So I, I would imagine that you probably have talked to a lot of parents with this and, and maybe they've either there, there's a, a huge need and, and they can't get the help that they need, or maybe they are parents that are getting help and you're talking to them. Is there a particular story that stands out to you? We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. 
Each week, we talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us, because no matter who you are, we all smell like humans. Please follow the link in the show notes. I think, so, that's a, that's a really good question. I think to me, the thing that stands out the most is is less a story and and kind of, I guess, more of a general story, you know, that you hear you hear a lot, which is that there there are so many kids out there who are, you know, a little bit slow to develop some of their early verbal skills. And, every, you know, people get very worried uh, because they you know really want to see their kids talking and having you know great communication skills and being able to participate in all the things that, you know, we all really enjoy and love that involve verbal skills. And ABA and SLP therapy can really provide, you know, transformative outcomes to these kids who are, you know, a little bit slow to develop the language skills and with really careful attention from a therapist and a lot of hard work from both the kids and the parents and the therapist, you can see these just amazing, amazing results of, you know, seeing, seeing, a, seeing a three-year-old say mom for the first time or mm. things like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's so powerful. And so there are there are an, a million stories like that. Almost every kid who goes through ABA and SLP, honestly, will have a story like that. So that general story, I think, is the story that uh, that I care a lot about. Is that you know, there's there's so many kids out there who, with with the right support, are able to you know really attain these goals that are you know that are really important and and difficult to attain, and and seeing that impact on the families and the kids and just the quality of life is something that's, you know, it's incredible. Wow. I can't imagine finally hearing your child say mom for the first time. Yeah, it's I mean, I've 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 had the privilege of of seeing that before and um I mean, it's 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 a really profound thing, especially when it's something that uh, everyone's been waiting for and hoping for and praying for and um you know, it, it and then it finally happens. I mean, it's 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 like lightning. Wow. Yes. I love it. So there are a lot of parents that listen to the show and Patrick, what, what would be something that you can maybe some offer some hope, maybe a little bit of encouragement to could be a couple that just starting out in there as a family and maybe their child is struggling with their early verbal skills. What would be something that you would say to encourage them? I think I'd, I think I'd have two things to say. One is that there are an just just an, there's an incredible community of therapists out there who will do everything they can to help your kid and you, you know, attain the goals that you have for your kid. You know, there is support out there. And even though things often are a little bit slow going and seem touch and go, sometimes the results do come and, you know, consistency and just just getting started with the process, you know, will will get you there. And also, I think that it's not something that's a zero-sum game. There's really incredible technologies out there like augmentative or alternative communication devices 
that allow kids who aren't able to speak verbally the way that we might be or that we, we are right now to communicate at an incredibly high level. So there was a recent story about a valedictorian of a college in the U.S. who um, you know gave her valedictorian speech on a tablet that was an AAC device. She doesn't you know speak the way that uh, John and I are speaking right now, but she communicates <laughs> at least as well as we do. Wow. Um, so you know, I think that there is hope and there are solutions and it's something that there are a lot of people spending a lot of time and effort on. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a great time for these sorts of, of issues and, you know, things are improving by the day. I love it. Very, very good. And you're right. Things are improving every day and that technology is bringing, it's making our, our world smaller, frankly. And sometimes technology gets a bad rap, but if you look at it as as a as an as a an avenue of getting help that you maybe you've never been able to get help before, yeah, that's, that's huge. I know that's that's I think the most exciting thing to me about you know behavioral technology and digital health is that there are you know there are these technologies that are are quite simple that can have such a profound impact and and you know alleviate parents of a lot of stress and make therapists' lives a little bit easier. So it's it's just a really exciting time, I think, for for therapy practices in general. And, you know, things are things are changing at a rapid rate in uh, in a good way, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So tell me, we have a, a few minutes left and uh, I would love to know if you could project. Now, we're, this is speculation projection. I, I get sure. it. Where would you like to see first work in five years from now? I think. What I would like to see for first work is providing a, a really broad adaptive curriculum that can keep up with the learning needs and the pace for kids with special needs across the U.S. and, and really across the world. We're, we're particularly focused on that population because we think that there's not enough attention being paid now uh, on the technology front. And it would it would just be so incredible to see a system that was, you know, really robust and had all the curriculum that you needed to work at your own pace and not be entirely tied down to the school system um, where, you know, currently most of the work is happening. I think that, you know, providing providing opportunities for the learning to be happening, you know, across the board and not just in one place and and for that, you know, for that group of people to learn whatever they need to learn is is really our mission. Nice. That's excellent. Well, Patrick, tell us a little again, just to remind us what if someone wanted to reach out to you, maybe they have questions, maybe it's a clinic uh, and uh, some, an owner or a founder of a clinic and they want to learn more about first work or a parent who wants to learn more. Tell us again how to get a hold of you or first work. You can find us at www.firstworkapp.com or you can find us on LinkedIn at First Work Digital Reinforcement Learning. Awesome. Before I let you go, something that I, I try to ask all of my guests, I talk a lot about self-care and doing things to, to increase the, the feel-good hormones in our brain, the neuroscience. <laughs> I would love to learn a little bit about what you do for your own self-care. That's a great question. I, I love to work out. I think that's super important. It's something that's been a really central part of my life forever. And whenever I don't work out, I feel terrible. So that's something that uh, is in the background for me all the time. 
And I think something else is is just getting outside and enjoying nature. I I got introduced to you know hiking and backpacking and camping in my time in San Diego, which is just the most beautiful place in the world. And uh, I've taken that you know that habit with me of of just you know taking a walk, you know <laughs> smelling the roses, I guess you know slowing down a little bit and uh, just appreciating the natural beauty if you get a chance, or or even the urban beauty. Like I I was living in Philadelphia recently and i took plenty of walks around there too it's not something that's uh it's not something that's only available if you live in the country so that's that's something that i've been uh really focused on recently and it's been has been great for me i love that and it doesn't have to be complex it doesn't have to be expensive you can just go for a walk yeah i know that's that's my favorite thing about walking it's the cheapest form of therapy <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right well one of the things that i my wife and i have been doing recently uh, is riding bikes on trails. Oh, that's so fun. So we love it. We we are, we are in St. Louis and so we are very close to a lots of different types of parks and trails. So we got forest trails we can ride through the through a forest uh, onto reservations. We oh, man. we have subdivision type trails that we can go on and urban trails. So it's fantastic and we just love it. Yeah, that St. Louis is a is a lovely city, by the way. I've I've only had the privilege of being once or twice, but I uh, I am envious of your of your access to the natural <laughs> world there. It just seems like uh, the center of everything and has uh, pretty much every kind of natural beauty you're looking for. You're exactly right. And it is the gateway to America, by the way. I, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great it's a great city. There's certain times of the year, though, it gets really hot and really humid. But you just stay inside for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get you get all four seasons. Uh, that's unlike, right. Like San Diego. <laughs> yep, that's right. San Diego, that'd be a great place to live, but it's it's perfect too much all the time. And you don't know. It's what almost off-putting. I know. It's, yeah. it's, 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 there's, there's something wrong with it. You're like, when's the other shoe going to drop? It's got to <laughs> rain eventually, right? And then you realize that it not raining is a problem too. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on, Patrick, and I, I just appreciate your, well, I can just tell your passion and just your love of what you do and why you do what you do. We all have a big why, and that came out very clear during this time. So Thank I appreciate God. what you do and, and what First Work is doing. Hey, I appreciate you too. I, I really think that um, that this platform is so important, you know, providing a space for people to talk about these important issues and you know, kind of collaborate and communicate across all of our different silos and mental health is, is, is so great. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Absolutely. And I want to thank all of you who are listening. And I know some of you might be brand new and some of you may have been listening for a long time and I appreciate you so much and you'll never know how much I appreciate you. And one of the things I love the most is when people reach out to me, my listeners, and uh, I would encourage you if you want me to talk about a specific topic, or if you just want to talk and say, Hey, I'm struggling. I want to encourage you to go to our website at mentalhealthtodayshow.com. Again, that's mentalhealthtodayshow.com. And you can reach us and let us know what you want us to talk about. I appreciate you all. And I want to encourage you to continue to work on your mental health. Remember the mental health today show has been championing your mental health since 2015. Take care. Bye-bye.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.